This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Packer and Durham, free power hour is upon us. 844-SAY-ACCN is the number for the program. It's 844-SAY-ACCN. Everybody be careful walking around. Fuller's got his tennis ball out there. Just got to watch out. Big man's got his ball. Uh, we continue to stream live on the ESPN app, by the way. Always. Mm-hmm. And this is show 1000. It started on March the 5th, 2018. If you collaborate radio and TV, right? Right. You add them. This is a show 631 for television. Mm-hmm. And as you did, great quick math earlier today, 369 on radio. Uh, all right. Um, Mac Brown joined us last week from Amelia Island. And given the prophetic comments of the head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide last night in Birmingham. They bought every single recruit. Happy, he bought none of them. By the way, happy world games to Birmingham last night. <laughs> Whatever that is. Hey, NCAA, you looking for a reason to look around and look like the big boys? You, you want to play the role of, hey, we're going to enforce name, image, and likeness? You got the most powerful man in college football last night oh. calling out one of their own in their own league and said they bought every player. He bought none. But they bought every single one of them. I don't know if that's true or not. Doesn't matter. It's your job to enforce the rules. If you want an opportunity to look like you know what you're doing, there you go. I think you get a direct flight, perhaps, from Indianapolis to Tuscaloosa for your first interview. Do you think Nick is uh, kind of gotten to the end of the road a little bit on this? I'm telling you, I swear, I thought what Nick Saban said last night, from the concept of what it's all about. I get that. It's a trillion percent correct. Nick kind of got to the end of the road, though, didn't he? He's kind of said, boys, I've kind of had the end. And Dion bought him one for a million. Those guys down there at Miami, they got a guy out there bragging about paying $400,000. Say what, Affleck. Affleck gonna have a. Yeah. We're gonna have to have some. Uh, that poor duck. He's like man. Security issues at the Affleck commercial yeah. shoot. Yeah, that duck's just like, hey, just put some orange sauce on me. I'm done. What about that guy at the ad? Ag- what about the guy? What about the guy at the ads ad agency this morning going? Um. So let me get this straight. <laughs> we got Coach Saban and Dion, and they're gonna do this commercial. Yeah. But apparently they don't they're not liking each other. And Dion went on Twitter last night oh. and said that was a lie. Yeah. Said Nick Saban lied last night. Now, I didn't see anything from Jimbo. No, Jimbo. We got kinda... crickets from College Station. Jimbo. Well, that's a mess now. A mess. Like I said, speaking of agencies Whew. forget about it. it just means more it just costs more yeah meanwhile over here in the atlantic coast conference minding our own business last week mac brown sat down with mark and i on an incredibly engaging and informative conversation about name image and likeness and the portal and the coach said quite frankly they're people buying people off other people's campuses you know, I, I was one of the problems. I, I paid coaches more than anybody else at Texas. I made more than anybody else at Texas. So that kind of started this stuff. And I look back, and I'm, I'm not proud of it. But over your money, you're not going. You I mean you go no. take it? Um, What's the line? You are worth what someone's willing to pay you. 
There you go. That, that's what I would have said at that time. Yeah. Without doubt. You can say it every um, time. Yes. And then you, you see early signing date. And we actually, I was on the, I was president of the AFC uh, American Football Coaches Association board at that time. We wanted early signing date to be for legacies only and early enrollees because they didn't have a signing date. NCAA said you can't allow some to sign without letting everybody sign. So that kind of got out of control. And then the signing date was really in December instead of February, like we all were used to and wanted. So that sped things up. And mm -hmm. then you have to start having official visits in the spring, and that changed things. So early signing date was a big change. And then we start hearing about name, image, and likeness, and we're not sure what it means. <laughs> I remember Bubba, talk, our athletics director, Bubba Cunningham, talking to the team three years ago and, and saying, what about this? Sam Howell stood up, and I said, I don't like it. If the quarterback's going to make more money than the right guard, then that's not fair, and that's going to be tough in the locker room. And I thought, good for Sam, and, but I never thought we would get to this. And then the combination of the transfer portal and name, image, and likeness at the same time is just crazy. And as I, I've tried to look at it, we are, as coaches, we are um, problem solvers. Yep. That's what we are. We take negatives and turn them into positives. So we, in our meetings here, we, we don't want to talk about all the negatives. We got those. We know them. It's, it's very public. So what are, what are the solutions? Mm. Let's get solutions. Number one, we got to figure out what the problems are. And, and they're, they're, they're numerous. The, the combination of transfer portal and name, image, and likeness at the same time made it now where people are buying people off people's campuses. Yes. So what's tampering? I don't know. Is that a high school player that's a buddy of yours saying, come to my school, man, they'll pay you. Here's what I'm making. Is it uh, a third party? Is it a booster? What's a booster? Is it, a, obviously, if it's an assistant coach at the other school calling or texting, or and what's, what's the penalty? What's going to happen when we get our guy to screenshot that coach's text where he's asking him to, to come and visit or, or trying to get him there? So, so that has to be figured out. Secondly, there needs to be some guidelines put on the transfer portal. When can you leave? We had a young man leave that was a second teamer last year midseason. I said, why are you leaving at midseason? He said... Uh, I don't want to get hurt. I want to show other people if I get in the portal and they've got a scholarship available, they'll hold it for me. And I want to go visit some team while they're playing so I can see the atmosphere. It all made sense. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it really did. And he said, I'm second team here, so why stay? And, and I got it. So the biggest thing, I think, is we've got to figure out a path to get to change. Right now, there's not a, a, a very good process that the experts, which are the coaches, because we're the ones dealing with it with some common sense, can get some common sense into the process for change. Okay. And that's the biggest thing. So we might as well not gripe about it. It's here. And, and somebody through NIL can offer your, your player $100,000, but then you got a rule where you can only call him once a week. Mm -hmm. So we got some craziness going on all over the place. But... Um, I also think sometimes when things get as dire as they are right now in college football, it's time to fix them. Yep. And a lot of things have needed to be fixed for years. Maybe that's where we are. I don't think there's any doubt that's where we are, right? Yeah. And there's no question. That's why I was encouraged last two weeks to see real movers and shakers in college athletics, the folks that I respect, 
Um, right. Starting to make some comments and starting to do something. So I think Mac Brown's 100% right there. Um, he also talked about guidelines on the transfer portal as well. He did? Are you sure about that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, when he talks about guidelines on the transfer portal, I thought the other thing he mentioned here was the they didn't realize NIL would lead to tampering. Or at least that was the perception. Yet I can remember people saying, this is going to be the wild, wild west. Pat Narduzzi was on record saying it right ahead of time. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, here he is with the Jordan Addison situation. And I saw some reports that uh, Jordan Addison's now narrowed it down to USC and Texas. Right. Highest bidder wins, I assume. I, I assume. Is it? It's where we are. You've almost got to have somebody be made an example of at this point. That's what I said last week. I know. I, I, know. I said, hey, NCAA, hey, that legalese that you came out with with your press release, right? tremendous, sounds great, but can you walk the walk, Wes? Mm-hmm. That's what they need to do. The only way you're going to try to stop some of this is to take a high-profile institution and make an example of it. Right. This is what you cannot do, and you bury them. You be- you know you're going to get sued. That, that's coming. Mm-hmm. But you have to set a standard. It's like it's, I said the other day about being a bank robber. You know, you keep robbing banks every day. You, the bank robber's not going to go up to the cop and say, by the way, man, last 10 weekends I robbed everybody. What are y'all doing? You want the video? They're not going to give you the information. you right. got to go make an example that, hey, if you rob a bank and you get caught, we're going to eliminate the problem. Right. So nobody's afraid of any rules or regulations right now. And the reason being nobody. is because the NCAA's lost all their enforcement. That's what, that's what I just said. Yeah, you they have bought, I mean, to make an That's why I said about the Nick I'm Saban I'm not comments. sure they can pull it off, Pac. Well, I don't know if they can or not. But they, you know, right now, name, image, and likeness was front and center July 1st of 2021. Mm-hmm. As of this second, on May 19th, right. there are zero schools, zero schools that have been hit with any name, image, or likeness penalties. Right. Zero. What do you think is going to happen? I mean, it's like saying, hey, listen, the speed limit's 65. Well, I'm going to go 110 miles an hour if I want. If a cop never pulls anybody, I'll go as fast as I need to go. Right. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Stupid. It is stupid. Um, this is going to take, I mean, a lot of the side notes in the summer and carry us all the way to talking season in July. I mean, it's just, it's now, because when you have what happened last night in Birmingham, now you're going to have the SEC meetings next week in Destin, Florida. There's going to be news out of that. This thing with name, image, and likeness, and the look, and what happened last night is an accusation. Nick Saban accusing Texas A&M, accusing Jackson State, accusing Miami. Again, and they didn't buy anybody. Let me emphasize yeah, what he it, said. And, and yet he's the one that last July said Bryce Young was going to make a million dollars in NIL. And again, I don't know what's right. or I don't know what's There true. are no rules. That's the thing. It's all left up to state. And we talked about this when we went through like Florida and California jumping in on NIL. Remember DeSantis went to Coral Gables and signed the bill. Remember that? It's crazy. And we haven't had a rule yet. I don't know what's factual and what's fabricated. Mm-hmm. I do know the importance of when Nick Saban says something, he's not just saying it for t- clicks or hot takes. That's not his style. What he said last night needs to be taken by the NCAA and investigated. 
Yeah. Because there were a number of things that were said last night. Mm -hmm. And like I said, everything I thought he talked about in terms of the concept of name, image, and likeness and what the NCAA's role is, I thought he was 100% right. But when you take one of your fellow conference members and say they have bought every player, I haven't bought anyone, that's a strong statement. That's a strong position to take. Now, if I was the NCAA, I would say, hey, Nick, I, 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 listen, I got nothing but respect for you, so let's get right down to it. How do you know that to be true? Yeah. How do you know that to be true? I mean, he took down Deion Sanders. He took down the University of Miami. Again, I don't know what's right and what's wrong here. I don't. Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know what's going on. But when Nick Saban makes that statement, you should pay attention to it. Yep. And it'll be interesting to see where the fallout goes and what kind of analysis and speculation comes out of this. And more importantly, what does Greg Sankey say? I mean, in all honesty, the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference. It's his business. Right? It's his business. Yeah. It's not my business. No, not it the is, ACC's business. It is his business. It's his business. It is. And he is, by all accounts, the most engaging and powerful voice right now in terms of where this is going. He's one of the six in college athletics. Agree? I, I respect him a lot. I, I do, too. I like him a lot. Yep. And, 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 and I, lo- I think their league's great. But you know what? What was said last night uh, by the media, like I said, the Slurpees, uh, you had a field day with Dabo Sweeney, who basically said the exact same thing six weeks ago, mm-hmm. and the people killed Dabo to the point I'm like, man, you need to pay attention to what the man's saying. Nick Saban said the exact same thing and then named names last night on top of it. Right. So, like I said earlier, use that same energy that you did to crucify Dabo. Do the same thing with Nick Saban. I bet you don't. Well, the funny thing I is. I bet you don't. And the, you know who you are. The funny thing is, what do we say? Jim Phillips said something. He got pushed out to the edge of the dock, right? We, got, we had a blowhard. We had a blowhard. And I'm not going to name names here. And then three weeks we later, said somebody yesterday or said last week, the guy's not even a good leader. I'm like, come on, man. What are we doing? <laughs> Quit being a jerk. Yeah. Seriously. Quit being an idiot. All right. When we come back, uh, speaking of the next level, we're going to check on the alumni uh, compensation list. Hey, I remember that guy. We'll uh, check in on your favorite ACC school and where they rank in uh, earnings. How about that? We'll check on some of that coming up. 8 o'clock hour, Packer and Durham. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham. It is a Thursday. Your lucky number is 631. It is show 1000. We're 100 days from the start of the college football season. And we're also about uh, 30 minutes away from um, Bob Bramman making his debut. Long overdue. Uh, Packer is out of here Saturday. I am indeed. Party time Italian style for two weeks. Uh, We have a compilation of people who are going to uh, try and – Hold on to the rope while you're gone. They'll do a fine job. Yeah. Um, and tomorrow on this show, Mark will recant one of my all-time favorite Packer family stories. What, when what? he sat on a park bench in Amsterdam and <laughs> sent his wife and two daughters into a shoe store. Yeah. It's my all. It is literally, you told the story twice last week in a million island to people, and I laughed just as hard as I did the first time. You know, you learn from experience, Wes. Do you? I do. Okay. 
because I, I cannot yeah, get, wait till you I'm get getting back to Italy. To, I'm getting ready to prove that in this upcoming trip. Is that right? Uh, you know that is true. Because at the time, well, the story's tomorrow. I won the Father of the Year Award, the Dad of the Year Award with that move. No not question sure, about not, that. Not sure it was worth it. Not, no question. Um, so we'll get to that tomorrow before you get out of town. All right. Because I want you to recant the story. Okay. We've got to get Drew Brooks and Casey to build some of the graphics and show kind of the shoes. It involves something called Golden Goose. It does. Which yeah. I have no Casey's idea. Casey's going to be really proud of you, though. Casey, I bet Casey would. I, I would say her dad's that every woman that has heard me tell this story almost has tears in their they eyes. They do. They all do. Yeah. Like I did. Yeah, for time. another reason. But that's tomorrow. All right. The NFL, it's great at list season. In this list season. That's what I said yesterday. Okay. We're there. So here we are. After CBS butchering their coaches list, which I said yesterday was awful, they took it to another degree of awful right. yesterday in their top 25. But that's yeah. another story. Um, so NFL earnings by school. There's a top 25 list out. And here are the three highest ACC schools. Now, these are career earnings. You see the number of active players according to Spotrack, which is a salaries type website. They, you know, you can mix and match and do all this, sorts of things. This basically is a bar bet. This is the old bar mm-hmm. bet routine because if I said to you as an ACC fan of the active players in the National Football League, tell me the top three earners school wise right. in the league, yep. I doubt that you would have gotten these three. That'd be my guess. You might have gotten one and two. You would not get all three. There's no chance you're getting three. That's what I think, too. Because somewhere in there, you'd have said Miami. I would have said Miami. Right. But there are 22 active players at Boston College uh, combining for nearly $400 million in earnings. Now, Clemson has double the number. The other thing about this is 44-41 for Clemson, Florida State, and then 22 is the next number. So the Miami situation, pack that we've talked about for the last decade, it's kind of a real thing in terms of active players. Well, we gave you, I think, a list, if I'm not mistaken, uh, right before the NFL draft in the last five years, Miami had produced more NFL draft picks. Right. Now, that's different than that list that you see right there. These are active players in the contracts in which they have. Right. So uh, two different deals. But I, if you would have asked me that question yesterday. Right. I would have given you the combination of Clemson, Miami, Florida State in whatever order you want. I would not have guessed Boston College in the top three. Well, the thing about Miami, you can have more active players. It's the dollars. Right. This is all about the dollar. Mm -hmm. And if you're Matt Ryan, who celebrated a birthday this week, you're like, thank you very much. I'll be the leader in the clubhouse here. But it all counts. Top of the list, by the way, $990 million. And I wouldn't have guessed this either. On 73 players. For LSU. I would not have guessed LSU at number one. Mm-hmm. I would Actually, not have. Alabama has the most players of the top 25 with 78, but $957 million. Those are the only two teams over $900 million, by the way. Just cost more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Apparently starts early. You think, anyway. gonna, you think that trademark is out there right now? It just costs. More. I don't know that you, you, you are the entrepreneurial. I might look into that side of this operation. I might for look sure. into that. Uh, so anyway, there's the list, and again, it's list season, as we always say here. That's a cool list, though, on this program. And 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 when you go through that top twenty-five, 
There's some teams in there that you expected to be a lot higher that are not. I, to me, I would not have guessed LSU number one, and I would not have guessed that Boston College was one of the three ACC teams. Okay. I don't, been I don't disagree with that. Um, can I share with you that California is fourth on the list with 29 players? Yeah, but Aaron Rodgers. There you go. I mean, that changed. That's, that's a landscape That's exactly changer. what happens there. It's probably also the reason that Michigan is sixth. This guy Brady. Brady. Been pretty good. Yeah. We're not counting outside money, by the way. This is just football money. Yeah. We're not counting the uh, $100 T-shirts you can buy now. Or what Fox promises him. Man, where do we get that deal? Where do we we go We don't get that deal. (laughs) Ours has like a period right after the first number. It does, yeah. He has commas. We have periods. That's a big difference. I'd rather have commas. Two commas. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. We we have like 3.75, like $3.75. Yeah. His is 3.75 is in mil. Um, the others listed on here in the uh, in the top 10 right ahead of Clemson are, we told you, LSU, Alabama, Ohio State, third. And these are dollar numbers, right, not player numbers. LSU, Alabama, Ohio State, California, Georgia, Michigan, Oklahoma, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, Florida, Wisconsin ahead of Clemson. So there you go. That uh, $614 million for A&M? Huh. There's a punchline in there somewhere, isn't there, Wes? Oh, my gosh. Huh? Seriously. I just can't imagine how much fun we're having this morning in the Western Division of the Southeastern Conference. I can't. Uh, on the other side. They bought every player. Oh my gosh. We bought nothing. They bought every single wow. player. That's what the man said last night. <laughs> Every one of them that were bought. Wow. You can't make this sport up, though. You know, that's wow. the thing. You can't. That wasn't some talk show host. No. No. That wasn't that's some blowhard. That is the 70 year old head football coach of the University of Alabama like at Tuscaloosa. The greatest college football coach ever said they bought every player. It just costs more. Wow. Tag, you're it, boys. Y'all go clean up that mess. We'll be over here. Yeah. Uh, on the other side, in case you missed our visit with two of the great lacrosse stars of the ACC, there's Melanie Welch of Boston College and Megan Tyrell of Syracuse. We'll catch up on that and more next on Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham on a Thursday, yeah. May 19th. 844-SAY-ACCN is the number for our program. Uh, we had uh, the good fortune to visit with two young ladies who are stars at ends of the field. Uh, Melanie Welch of Boston College, defensive star. Megan Tyrell, former Tawarton winner, award winner on the women's side in lacrosse. Outstanding attack for Syracuse. Uh, both schools are in the quarterfinals of the NCAA Women's Lacrosse Championship. Yeah, you throw North Carolina in there. We're looking to see if we can't get three in the Final Four coming up. Just like last year, right? Um, We had a chance to visit with both this week. Here they are kind of in a a combined deal. We started with Melanie asking her what it's like just going to practice every day against Charlotte North and the B.C. offense. 
it's amazing. Um, it's so much fun. I mean, to go up against some of the best attackers and players in the game right now, um, it's incredible. It's it's a challenge every day. They're amazing, and the things that they pull out, I'm like, what? Are, how do you even know how to do that? But um, it's it's so much fun. Do you not just walk up to Charlotte North and go, you know, just not impressed, just not impressed? <laughs> <laughs> you know, or, 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 or you're better I don't off think just that's saying, ever happened. <laughs> yeah, okay, that might be not a bad move, right? That might be, uh, you know what, Charlotte, we'll worry about that down the road. But you know, what, seeing the the kind of offensive firepower that you do in practice, I would assume makes game day actually a little bit easier. Is that Would that be accurate? Yeah, definitely. I think our team prides ourselves on um, not only the attackers that are on the fields every day, but the scout players are so incredible. They make our job so much easier on game day because practices are so hard. Um, so it is. It's so lucky. But Melanie, Acacia also kind of delivers that mantra, right? You guys, if it's if it's hypothetically Monday through Friday really hard, then Saturday is easy. And it's always... Kind of it, it, our visits with her have been fascinating because I can see where the culture is built from within to then be displayed on game day. Definitely. We definitely focus on winning each day and doing everything that we can today in order to be able to prepare and win um, on game day. And I think that's something that Inkeisha is always pushing us to work as hard as we can every day that we show up. That way, when we show up on the field on the game day, all the pieces can kind of just fall into place and it's all about execution, and we're, we're really repa- prepared. Melanie, I know that you, uh, as a team, put a lot of, of stock into winning the ACC championship. That, that was on the to-do list. Even though you won the national championship last year, winning the ACC title, we now see it with all the quality teams that are still left in the tournament. That was a goal. That was a big deal. All right, you come up short. How difficult now is it to go, okay, we didn't get that job done. But you know what? Really, the biggest tournament is still upon us, and we're the defending champs. How, how difficult is that transition, or maybe how easy is that transition? Yeah, I think um, where we're lucky is we got to learn a lot from that loss that we had in the ACC championship, and we have another chance right now to, to be together and to play and to show the world uh, how good our team really is. Um, so I think it's super exciting that right now we're entering the NCAA tournament. We've learned so much from our entire season and now we get to go and put our best foot forward and give it our best shot to win a national championship. All right. And then there's the benefit of playing at home Uh, and the momentum for your program, obviously off the national title has been, has been pretty, pretty steady. What's that been like then to have home games in this event, as opposed to traveling to, to play the bigger game, if you will. Yeah. um, It's incredible. I mean, the fans in Boston are crazy. There's always so many people at our games, which makes it, so much fun and you kind of look around and you're like wow all these people are here to watch us play lacrosse like it's it's amazing um so being at home is is awesome it's it's so much fun love it now the team you're going to play Loyola uh they're 20 and 1 their only loss ironically was to Syracuse who's still alive and kicking in the NCAA tournament what do you know about Loyola and how difficult is this going to be coming up on Thursday afternoon yeah it's going to be a great a great game they're incredible players um they're very well coached a really really well-rounded team um so i think from top to bottom it's going to be it's going to be a fight and it's going to be a battle um and we're just doing everything that we can each day to make sure that we're we're prepared for everything that they'll throw at us on game day um i think it's going to be a lot of fun i mean this is the best part of playing lacrosse at this level is you're playing against the best players in the country almost every game so it's it's so much fun we have been in awe 
just watching this league uh, in terms of offensive firepower. Um, I mean, when you get done playing a game, do you look around in stats of everybody else and going, man, Charlotte North did this again. Jamie Ortega did this again. And I just scored five. I mean, it's crazy how good the collection of talent is in this league as far as offensive weapons. Yeah, you know, um, you know, I think across the NCAA, there's very, very impressive offensive players. There was someone from High Point who just broke another record in the NCAA. So, you know, you kind of look everywhere and you see all these amazing players coming up and making big plays. But, Megan, do you guys get, like, on a group chat and talk about how much y'all score on each other? I mean, it's just unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it just seems like the ACC – and, look, we talk about how great this sport is for the league, but nationally, this conference has become kind of a powerhouse – and it's geared offensively. And I know the sport has picked up a lot of momentum because of that. But we're talking about three of the really top scorers in the country here. And, and you're one of them. I mean, I don't know how rare that is, but it just feels like it's uh, it's booing the momentum of the sport. Yeah, you know, the ACC has always been kind of a powerhouse for lacrosse. And, you know, even more so now with a bunch of players coming in and, you know, breaking records and doing all these things. It's been really huge for the sport itself. So, you know, it's such an honor to play in the ACC and so fun to play, too. All right, so you get Northwestern, right? You saw this crowd earlier, tough loss in OT. Uh, what makes it different the second mm -hmm. go-around? Yeah, you know, I think – oh, sorry. sorry. For this uh, <laughs> for this second go-around, you know, we've played them already in the season. We've kind of seen what they have and, you know, scouting them as their season went on, you know, kind of seeing what they've changed, what they've moved into. Um, it's something that we've been focusing on and – you know, it's like a lot of heart to go into play, you know, postseason. You know, you have one game guaranteed and then you're done. So that's kind of been our mindset going forward. Is it cool to see somebody you've seen before? Or, or I mean, you tell me, you're going to get a chance to live this. Or is it better to see somebody, I got no idea who they are, and we'll kind of figure this thing out as we go along? Um, I guess it kind of depends on the situation. I kind of like playing people that we've seen before just because, you know, we already know their personnel. Um, and, you know, not much really changes throughout the season usually. So, I'm kind of excited to play them again. You guys, um, you were in this spot a year ago and found a way to advance. What are the similarities, Megan, with last year and this year when you get to this part of the season? Yeah, you know, when you get to the Elite Eight, you know, you're one step from the Final Four. So um, kind of just putting everything out on the field, leaving everything that you have, you know, because – this opportunity, you don't know when it's going to come again. So being able to get to the Final Four and, you know, win the Elite Eight is something that's so huge for us and something that we're really pushing ourselves for. At the end of the day, is it crazy to think the ACC is going to get three teams in the Final Four? Um, that could be crazy, yeah. <laughs> but that's possible. I mean, you know, North Carolina is obviously number one. BC sitting there at the three spot. You're there at five. I mean, it would be crazy to think the three ACC teams could get to that Final Four. It'd be something awesome, definitely. Mall Fort. Melanie Welch, Megan Tyrell. It's go time, man. Yeah, it starts Syracuse, BC, yep. Carolina. All of them capable mm -hmm. of being there. North yep. Carolina is certainly the team to beat. Got great coverage for you uh, across the platform of networks as well uh, here on ESPN and ACC Network. Along with softball and everything else is starting to pick up. More on that tomorrow, by the way, as those series get underway. Um, yeah, I think three can get back. Absolutely, right? Absolutely. I'll tell you what, North Carolina did to Virginia, though. I mean, I thought they made a statement. I mean, they were just awesome. Well, no question. And I think Carolina, because of the way last year went, I think Carolina feels like they've got a 
a little bit of a mission here. It's kind of a role reversal with North Carolina and BC because we just had the ACC tournament, right? And keep in mind, Boston College is the defending national champion. That's right. But they didn't win the conference tournament, Mm -hmm. but they wanted to. That was the one they kind of circled. And yet they didn't get the job done. North Carolina won the tournament. ACC tournament, but they didn't win the national championship. Yep. So that you know, North Carolina's dominant as they've been, still can play with that chip on their shoulder. That that's a dangerous team when you've got that kind of talent, motivated mm-hmm. and playing the way they are. They'll be a tough out. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, and we'll keep an eye on it for you. You see Stony Brook, North Carolina, seven thirty tonight on ESPNU. Already saw the notes on Boston College and. Uh, certainly with Syracuse as well. So we'll keep uh, all that updated for you and have it for you tomorrow with highlights and reacts and well. So postseason, man, it's a real deal. And I'm, then you got history on the softball side, by the way. Virginia Tech, Duke, and Clemson all hosting for the first time. Very first time. Six teams are in mm-hmm. the NCAA tournament from a softball perspective. By the way, uh, just a quick preview. Our next guest who's coming up, I, I'm looking forward to having him on. Uh, and it's hard to believe we haven't had him on yet mm-hmm. because he's been so incredibly successful. Not to mention, of all the cool things that have been sent to the basement, I got to tell you, the Florida State Javelin is really cool. I mean, it's 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 way up here. I, I, you probably can't see it in a regular shot. But that thing right there, man, when it got delivered, I was like, what in the world is this? The box it came in. Took that thing out. I was like, I could not wait for my neighbor to leave yeah. so I could go throw it in her backyard because they got a huge backyard. Did you throw it in the backyard? Oh, yeah. It's heavy, isn't it? It's, it's, uh, I've never thrown a javelin before, so I was hoping not to spear myself. But that, that wouldn't that have been great. There's it's, the javelin. There it is. Yeah, there there it is, it is. At the top. So I, it's really cool. Yeah. Wrong person walks in the door, the javelin falls. That's just exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of set it's up that. in the, the, the uh, upper deck here of the uh, it's kinda, basement. It's kind of like uh, one of those Pink Panther tricks that Peter Sellers used to have in the movies. Like you walk in a door and all of a sudden things start happening. Kitto. Yeah, that thing. <laughs> I'm telling you now, that, that, uh, that javelin's cool. Awesome on Halloween. <laughs> All right, when we continue. Put the floor, hey, you we got will, the Florida State javelin. We you put on the Notre Dame. That's plenty. Get the Notre Dame mask Is for that fencing. what you do and you show up at the door for candy? Well, you just, you know. And you hold that javelin and go, stand right there, kid. If my daughter's uh, boyfriends act up, you know, hey, javelin. Those are nice in. guys, apparently. Oh, so Every, far, everything, so Everything, it's, I mean, they didn't get invited but on the trip, but they're, you know, nice no, guys. No, they're not, they're not to that level yet. Okay. Not to that level When yet. we come back, Bob Brayman. The legendary coach, Florida State track and field, off his second straight ACC title, will join us next. Packer and Durham continues on this, the Atlantic Coast Conference Television Network. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. We're about a half an hour away from Lars Tiffany making his 10th appearance, but our next guest, Wes, Legendary coach, a guy. It's it's hard to believe we haven't had him on. And again, the coolest thing in the room right here is that Florida State javelin. Bob Brayman joins us live from uh, Tallahassee this morning. Coach, good morning. Uh, We are late in a uh, thank you for the javelin because uh, Mark just said going to break that it's his favorite tool at Halloween. He'll take it down and put on a Notre Dame fencing mask and greet innocent children who come and ask for candy at the door. But... uh, (laughs) You, uh, you guys sent that up here, and when people walk in here and see it, including the commissioner of the ACC, he went, wait a second, that's like a real javelin. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, the basement's pretty cool, guys. I like your basement. I'm glad we could add to it. Oh. Yeah, that's real. When it was delivered, Coach, I was like, man, what in the world is this? I mean, I've never had a box like that <laughs> delivered. And when I opened it up, I was like a kid in a candy store. I couldn't wait to go outside and try it. You know, and I got no skill. Yeah. Lucky I didn't hurt myself. But, man, congratulations on all your success. I mean, you have done a brilliant job. and. I know you're going to pass and assist to everybody that's helped because it is a team effort. But, man, it starts at the top. And you have done a brilliant, brilliant job at Florida State. Well, thank you, guys. And the last time I saw you, we were in the, in the cold rain of Notre Dame that's at the it. cross-country championship. And I will tell you that's the first time that we've had uh, media types of y'all's level at the ACC championship. And it was cold and rainy. And you guys were – Toughen it out, and I certainly appreciate that. And Commissioner Phillips was there, and uh, it was quite a show. So glad to have you guys. We really appreciate everything you guys do um, for cross country and for track and field. And I'm just so excited to be on the ACC Network. Well, you know, when you got the Chariot of Champions, Coach, what could go wrong? I mean, all you got to do is get that thing fueled up or gassed up or electrified or whatever they were doing with it. And, you know, the weather wasn't great, but who cares? Everybody had a good time up there. It was great. Yeah, yeah, it was good. And it was glad, to, really great to have you guys there. And, you know, cross country's obviously been something that we're maybe the best conference in America. Mm-hmm. And in track and field, ACC is kind of evolving where we're probably number two behind the, the SEC now. So um, making so much progress as a conference, so many more, you know, national and national champions, national ranks and uh, world ranked athletes in our conference. So, ACC track and field is really moving forward, and uh, each year it gets tougher and tougher to win these things. Coach, here's the thing, though, and, and, I, and I understand the big business and the way intercollegiate athletics works. So there has to be uh, full commitment here, right? I mean, for sports like track and field, there has to be an intentional investment. That's what I talk about when I talk to businesses about the way modern-day college athletics works. Your success and the program success, because I, I know they, they had some tradition when Coach Long was there and you replaced him and, and followed his Hall of Fame career. The idea of Florida State track and field, the tradition, the history, and the success. I mean, you just came away with seven ACC champs and a 4 by 100 So, I mean, the, the idea that you are intentional in this success is no mistake. Yeah, you have to decide where you're going to do your business in track and field because you've got, just like baseball, I mean, you've got limited scholarships for men particularly. So we've got 19 events in track and field, and you've got 12.6 scholarships for men and 18 for women. So for us, we kind of have to decide, you know, what are we going to be good at? You know, what are, you can't cover all 19 events. So for Florida State, for us, it's been sprinting, relays, hurdles, obviously people like Trey Cunningham. <laughs> And then we've been good in jumps, and then we've been a little more balanced where we've had some really good distance kids, but maybe not as many as some of the other schools in the ACC. We've had good throwers. We've had, uh, you know, we're pretty balanced, but you still have to decide where you're going to do your business because when you get to the national level and you're trying to be in the top 10 or the top five or, you know, if you're lucky enough to win a national championship, you really have to kind of decide what you're doing there. And so we've been very invested in sprints and relays and jumps, of course, and then elite athletes where we can find them, the Trey Cunninghams, the Adrian Veldskuts, and people like that. And, um, but it's just been a great journey. It's been a great ride, and I think we, we found our path. Other schools find their path as well. 
Well, and I know I, I have a friend who's a Florida State alum who ran in the four by one hundred when Terrell Buckley used to run in the mm. four by one hundred. Okay, so I mean okay. there there is a legacy of of sprinting right at Florida State. So when Trey Cunningham shows up and he's been on the show with us, and you know he can light it up. I mean he just won the one ten. He won the sixty indoors nationally. I mean is that the best of the best i mean there's a full investment into that particular event during his time or are you able to build behind that because see that's the thing that catches my eye it's not just this year jovan martin wins the 100 meters it's not just this year trey cunningham wins the 110 or the four by 100 on the women this is seemingly you're an annual competitor uh in these type of events yeah i mean you build off your strengths and so we've got that long tradition of sprinting it's funny you mention that because um, you, know, you go back to, gosh, somewhere in the 90s, we had three first-round you know, draft picks plus Arthur Blake on the 4 by one relay. Mm-hmm. And very, very our earliest days in the ACC. So um, you had Sammy Smith and you had Deion Sanders and, you know, th- these guys. And, just, and then you had um, Arthur Blake, who was a world-class hurdler, uh, sixth in the, in the Seoul Olympics. So we've got a lot of tradition of that, and I think that's been, you know, what people expect. We used to have more dual sport athletes back then than we've had lately because I think things are more specialized Mm -hmm. than they used to be. But, you know, people like Jalen Ramsey, you know, Jalen came in and was uh, third in the NCAA in the long jump for us. And by the way, Jalen might be the greatest athlete I've ever had my eyes on. Wow. So um, just phenomenal. He could do anything. Um, but yeah, you have to kind of find those lanes and, and be known for it. And then you have to kind of keep that tradition going. And it's with injuries and sometimes coaching turnover that, that takes place because everybody wants your coaches. Um, certainly the SEC and those, those conferences come and get our coaches. Um, so keeping that going is difficult. But when you do, everybody knows what you're known for and, and you can keep that going. Bob, I've said this on the air a thousand times. I'm in awe of track and field athletes, men and women. I mean, it doesn't matter. It could be the pole vault. It could be any kind of hurdle, whatever. When we had Trey on the show, I kidded around with him about we showed him running the 60-meter hurdle in seven seconds. I said, all right, here's the bet. Can I eat a Krispy Kreme donut before you can run 60 (laughs) meters? And and he goes, I think I can beat you. I think he's right. But nevertheless, I'm in awe of the athletes. You just mentioned Jalen Ramsey. When you go recruiting, I'm curious. Um, you know, you either can run or you can't, right? I mean, if you see me running down the street, you're like, that guy right there will never be a track and field athlete. But you see guys who and women who could just absolute fly. In the recruiting process, can, can you – I mean, you either can run or you can't. But can you foresee somebody that might not be the fastest, but you go, you know what? I can make him or her a great track and field athlete is that possible or do you either have it or you don't coming out of high school i think for the most part our sport is very objective you mm. know you have a, you have a distance you jump or throw or a time you run for whatever distance so it's very objective but at the same time you're splitting hairs okay so you're you've got somebody in you know transfer kid or juco kid international kid that's run x or y and you're trying to differentiate between those uh, kids in the state, kids in the, in the U.S., and you're trying to differentiate between those people. And so that's where you really have to try to decide who fits your program, who has that work ethic. Um, I never look at the top mark in any event, and I'm always telling my assistant coaches, hey, 
you know, this guy's at the top of the list, whatever. What's their second best throw? What's their second best jump? Their second best sprint mark? Because there's so many good people in the NCA, worldwide Olympic level, that you got to be consistent. You got to be healthy. You got to be able to run good on that day. You know, are you a champion? Do you run your best when it really counts? Hmm. And so we look at those kind of things to try to differentiate who we're going to get. But but it's, it, it is a fine line. Um, you can make distance runners better. It takes time. You can make throwers better. It takes time, maturity, years, things like that. Sprinting, jumping, those things are very God-given to about 95%. Hmm. The other 5%, we look at form. What can we refine? Is this a beast and you know that hasn't been coached up? But it, it really is a lot more objective than baseball, softball, soccer, you know, where you really have to go out and figure it out. All right. I want to ask about this. You guys celebrated another team championship this past weekend. You're going to the NCAAs. And I'm going to be forthright and tell you I've asked this question of golf coaches. I've asked this co- uh, question of other people who are in charge of an individual sport that have to be put into a team concept. How does that work for you? Where's the competitive edge? I know you have athletes that work the same event. I get that competitive part. But last weekend, we see video clips here on Monday morning of your team celebrating another championship and the genuine joy they have for one another. And yet, it's very individualistic when it gets down to the end. Yeah, it's a great question because it's very difficult to build that team culture in an individual um, sport. You know, you're out there competing by yourself in in a relay. You know, you're handing off and you got to have synergy. You have to have, you know, timing and you have to have all that. But these guys genuinely and our women genuinely care for each other. They do feed off each other. Um, The ACC is special. The NCAA is special. And so throughout the year, you know, we go to the same meets and we do things together and whatnot, but we try to celebrate each other's success um, and, and, and different people from all over the world, from different backgrounds, different countries, you know, um, truly diverse. And the men and women feed off each other. Success that the women have uh, fire up the men and distance fires up sprints and vice versa. So we, we want that kind, of, that kind of atmosphere where we truly do feed off each other. And even though the women didn't win, we out, performed what we really felt like we were going to do. We were looking more toward the national meet. We weren't really doubling and tripling our distance runners where in retrospect, maybe I should have, you know, maybe we had a shot, um, you know, to win and, you know, it was such a close battle, but we really look at nationals first because that's what we're trying to be. Can we be top 10? Can we be top five? You know, what can happen there? And um, when you get to the ACC meet, there's just kind of that little extra magic, particularly at Florida State where we've won so many and the tradition is so high that I inherited and, you know, my coaches understand that when they come here as well. Um, but there is so much joy. We had a phenomenal meet. We didn't miss hardly any points. And mm. as the days go on from Thursday to Friday to Saturday, that momentum does build and it is real. Well, like I said, we, we, I, I could pick your brain for hours because I'm so fascinated mm-hmm. with how track and field works uh, from a coaching perspective and technology and everything else. But this is going to be the last question. We'll get back with you on all this other stuff, Rob. Sure. Um, what's your walk-up music? <laughs> I want to know. I, I, I want to know. What, and I'm, this is not for the team. This is for you on uh, the day of a huge meet, whatever the case may be. I got to know. What's the walk-up music for you? Well, I'm a big Motown guy, so nice. that's, my, that's my favorite music. Um, 
But, you know, if, if it's the right Motown, it can calm me down because I get pretty, I get pretty jacked up. Um, but my, my sons, who are 31 and 33, kind of ingrained uh, that early 2000s on me. So I'm a big Coldplay guy. I know that's kind of soft to say, but I love me some Coldplay. All right. We will keep a note of that on your next appearance. You now have a walk-up song on the program. You're good to go. And we do appreciate the javelin. I'm telling you, that was really, really a touch of class. <laughs> Well, thank you, and, and we appreciate all you guys do for all the ACC sports. It's just made a tremendous uh, difference in our programs and how people perceive us and how they follow us. So thank you guys so much for what you do, and, and thanks for not throwing a goofball question at me, Pat, uh, because I, I don't know if I could – I can answer one on the fly. You got that. <laughs> I, I got hey, I have faith in you, Coach. There you Always go. a pleasure. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. Be well. Thanks, Good guys. luck. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate Bob you. Bob Brayman, the uh, terrific – uh, have him back. National champion coach, track and field, uh, and Jaylen, cross country. Jalen Ramsey, perhaps the best at. Now think about the athletes at Florida State track I and field. I can believe that. Uh, Jalen Ramsey. I can believe that. That was a good one. That guy is freak. Yep. Uh, when the, we come the back, good kind. Power hour on a Thursday. Baseball's home run chase and divisional races coming into focus this weekend. Uh, Lars Tiffany at nine fifteen. And more. Countdown to Italy for my partner is well underway when we continue. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.